Right, and the text we're going to look at this evening, we're going to see David is starting to get towards his latter years, and uh, it's going to end up uh, at some point turning uh, the reign over to Solomon, which we had studied over in First uh, Kings. But we see now David is really focused on leaving his legacy with Solomon, leaving his instructions for the temple that David so longed to build, and that it, we, we've, we've seen through First Chronicles how he's wanted to build that temple so bad, and that he wasn't going to be able to build it, but we see him now as he's going to start turning it over to Solomon. And we've got to ask ourselves a question here, too, as David's starting to turn this over to Solomon and leaving a legacy for him to leave. What legacy are we going to leave with our family members and our children and our relatives? And we're going to see this here. And it says that a legacy is defined as follows, something that is handed down or remains from a previous generation or a time. And this temple here was going to be part of the legacy of not only David, but Solomon, but it was also going to be something that was going to be opened up not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles that would come and question about this temple. What was this temple about? So we're going to see that here. So let's start with verse 1 of chapter 22. And it says, Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land, of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut huge stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints and the bronze in abundance beyond measure and cedar trees in abundance for the Sidonians and those from Tyre brought uh, much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all the countries. I will will now make preparations for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. We're going to look at here in building this legacy he's building for Solomon. We're going to look at the planning stage of this. David had been planning for years to get this temple built. He knew that he wasn't going to build it, but he was going to make sure the plans and the supplies were going to be in abundance for it. He was not going to leave Solomon uh, out, out to hang in, in building this temple. And in the first verse, he talks about, it's kind of a continuation of chapter 21, where he had went to the threshing uh, floor of Ornan, where he, he ended up building the altar for God and, and, and giving the sacrifice to God for the sins of Israel and the sins of himself, and seeing that fire come down and consume the sacrifice that he was given. So at that point, David says, it's a no-brainer. This is where we need to build the temple. This is where the altar of the Lord is going to be, the center of Israel. And we see him starting to, to make that move in that portion of the preparation as finding the land for it. So we see him at the threshing floor saying, this is where the temple is going to be built. This is where my son Solomon is going to do this. So he saw that this was a good place to do it because he knew that God had showed up in this particular area. So David starts planning. He even got people together to cut it. You see here that he got uh, the aliens or the foreigners to come and help build this temple. Now we know in, in with Moses, he wanted, God wanted the, the Jews to build the tabernacle. That's who needed to build that. But here we're going to see not only the Jews but the Gentiles being part 
of them building this temple. Because this would be a place where, like I said earlier, where the Gentiles would be able to come and also worship God and find out who the true and living God was. So we see that he's gathering people together for Solomon. He's making the plans for him to have success in building this temple. David starts planning. He gets the people together. He gets the stone cutters. He gets all the timber, all the bronze. Every supply that's needed is here for Solomon. And Luke, in Luke 14, 28, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? David counted the cost for this temple. David was ensuring that he was going to have everything he needed to get this temple completed. So his planning was precise. He knew what was going on. And David states in verse 5 that since Solomon is such young and inexperienced that David would make the plans for the house of God. He couldn't build it, but he was going to make sure Solomon had the plans for it. This is where you're going to build it. These are the supplies you're going to use. These are the people you're going to use to build it. These are the people who are going to give you the advice you need in building this temple. So David was planning everything out. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about the legacy we want to leave for our family members and our children and whoever else it may be, our legacy of faith. Are we planning for that? Or are we looking and saying, what am I going to do to make sure this next generation coming up of believers is going to have a path to follow, some blueprints laid out to know what they need to do for their lives. Because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And we don't want to plan to fail. So we look at our, our, our children and we look at our grandchildren and, and what was David's goal? David had an ultimate goal. He had an end in sight and that was to make sure the temple was going to get built for God's glory. What is our goal? What is our insight? Maybe it's to make sure people know who Jesus is. Well, that's fine. We all want to let people know who Jesus is, but what is our game plan to do it? What are, what are we going to teach our children or teach our friends, our coworkers, whoever it may be? How are we going to go about doing it? What is the plan that we have? So we look at David, and he has the plans ready for Solomon. We need to have plans ready to build our legacy, to have plans ready to share the gospel with our children, with our brothers and our sisters. We need to have a plan ready. So if we're going to try and build a legacy, we need to make sure that we have a plan intact. Verses 6 says, uh, Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, you have shed much blood and have made great war. You shall not build the house of my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and, and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. So now David's going to educate Solomon 
on building of this temple. He's telling them, look, I really wanted to build this temple, but God said no. And, and David, we, we spoke about that in uh, earlier chapters, that David could have had a fit and walked out on God and, and, just, and just been upset like a little child that's not getting his way. But he didn't do that. He sat before the Lord and consulted the Lord and listened to the Lord and, and praised the Lord because David was a worshiper. And that's what David did to the Lord. He made sacrifice to the Lord because he was a worshiper. And he understand that this was not all about him. This was about God. It wasn't about what David wanted. It was about what God wanted and what he intended. And that's life in general. It's not about us. It's about the plans of God. And we, we, we get in our own way sometimes when we want to put our own eagles in the way. But we just got to remember, like David did, this is about God. It's not about me building this temple. As bad as I want to build this temple, this is not about me. This is about God and his plan. So David set into motion this plan, but now he's going to educate Solomon on what needs to happen. David starts to explain to Solomon the plan he has put together. David, uh, without apology, educates Solomon about the plan. David educates Solomon concerning the roots of the plan, that this is something that was stirred up inside of me to do something great for the Lord. He didn't want to see God having to live, I guess you put in quotations, in a tent, which God was quite fine with. But God knew the heart of David that he wanted to do this for him, and God was going to allow it, and David wanted to do something great for him. David was a man of war, it says, the whole reason Solomon's going to end up having peace, God's going to grant Solomon peace, was that he used David to subdue the countries around him in order that Solomon would have the peace and the reign of peace that he would have. So David was not going to be able to build this temple because he was a man of war. And one of the principles of this is the principle for this is to teach us that the church or the temple was a manifestation and an illustrious type should be built by Christ. So, who is the Prince of Peace? So, this is Solomon is, is kind of acting as a type of Christ that his temple was going to be built by Solomon, who was going to be a king who would have peace. Just like the ultimate temple of the church, the body of Christ, is going to be built by Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. It was not going to be a man of war. So, here we see, when trying to build a legacy of faith, it is important for us to educate those as to why we are doing this. We need to educate our children and educate our friends on why we have the faith we do in Jesus. Why salvation in Christ is the only way. We need to train them up in the way that they need to go. And in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, it reads, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We should constantly be talking to people about Christ. We should constantly be teaching those of us who still have children to be able to know who Christ is, mentoring a friend, discipling those who have come to Christ and teaching them even more about his glories. Jesus would be on our lips and our tongues every second of the day. 
constantly on our mind, on the forefronts of our mind, thinking about Jesus, speaking about Jesus, acting as Jesus did, just not talking but living as Jesus did. Because a lot of times the witness we have comes from the lives we live. A lot of people don't hear about Jesus, but they can see Jesus in you, and they'll notice something different about you. There was a platoon sergeant that I had when I was in Hawaii, and uh, he would say this every so often, and, and, and I took it as a compliment because it, it was confirmation that Christ was working in me. And he would look at me and say, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. And I would tell him, it's Jesus. That's what's different about me. And he would kind of laugh and kind of just shrug it off. But they need the people that are lost and hurting, your family members, your friends, they need to see Christ in you. They need to know. So we need to constantly be educating them on what it is, our hope of glory. The reason we have the joy is because of Christ. We need to educate them on that. This is David was starting to educate him on why this temple was going to be built, what the temple was going to be for. And that you were going to be the one that's going to build it. The one that was going to have peace in his reign as he educates him here. So not only do we need to teach others about Christ, but we need to make sure that we're living a life that is pleasing to Christ. And in view of others. Verse 11. It says, and the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai. His brother, and they set themselves in uh, battle. I'm sorry, wrong one. Turn the page. We read that already. Verse 11. Now, my son, uh, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper, and build the house of the Lord your God. And he, uh, he said to you, as he said to you, only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel, that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with, uh, with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel, be strong and, and, and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Can you imagine Solomon's probably a teenager at this point in time? He's not even in his 20s, I don't believe. And your dad comes to you and says, hey, you're going to build this big, magnificent temple, this huge structure that's going to represent God to the world. That's quite a big task to take, take under, I, I would say so. But we're going to see, we see here that David, in building his legacy of faith, is also encouraging Solomon. He's giving encouragement to the young man that this is going to happen. So I'm pretty sure whenever Solomon heard this and he heard the encouragement from his father, he was a little more set at ease that, hey, God's going to help me do this. God's the one who's going to... Get through it. And if you notice, David prays for wisdom and understanding for Solomon. I wonder where Solomon got that thought to pray for wisdom and understanding. He heard his father pray the same thing for him and for him to be the ruler of this kingdom. And I bet he remember. I remember my dad praying for me to have wisdom and understanding. Lord, that's what I want. Wisdom and understanding. And God granted him that, that he would have that wisdom and understanding. He was encouraged by his dad to do so. Then it says Solomon would prosper in all that he did. You know, the purpose of prosperity is not just to be rich, but the purpose of prosperity is to bring glory to God. That is the whole purpose of prosperity. It's not always about your pockets being fat. 
but it's about your heart being full and prospering that way and be able to share that prosperity with others. Whether it's being able to share a kind word with somebody or if you do have money, being able to help somebody out that's in need. God allows us to prosper to help others. It's not for our own benefit. And we see Solomon be encouraged with this. And let me tell you, when you're walking with God, you're not going to fail because God's going to ensure his will is done in your life. If you're walking close with the Lord, he's going to get you through the the tough times and the trials that you're going through. Failure is not going to come because we have the ultimate victory anyway. We have a place sitting for us in heaven right now. So the ultimate victory is there. So walking with God, you will be no failure. You will prosper. You will have that joy in your heart that no one can describe. Even in tough times, that joy is still there. And when we're trying to build a legacy of faith, we need to be able to encourage those around us concerning God. This world we're living in right now now is hurting. I just heard of a pastor that, that was part of a Calvary Chapel in California that committed suicide. No one knew it. No one knew he was depressed. No one knew he was having a hard time in life. We need to encourage these people. We need to listen to what they're saying. I work in a place right now that there are people that are, 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 are extremely depressed. And all, sometimes all they want is just somebody to listen to them. Give them an ear for just a couple seconds. Give them a little bit of encouragement to get throughout their day. And we see David's encouraging Solomon that, hey, this temple is going to be built. You're going to do it, and God's going to help you do it, and God's going to give you understanding, and God's going to give you wisdom, and you're going to be a great king, and he goes on to tell him that. One of my mentors, Ken Wooten, uh, the gentleman that was here during the ordination, he used to, he was an encouraging gentleman. If you were down and out, he would encourage you, hey, you're all right, you're going to do okay, we're going to make it, we're going to get, we're going to get through this, and he would always have words of encouragement. He used to tell you, just stay in the word. Persevere in the word. That's what you got to do. And it would bring such encouragement to us young believers hearing that. Here was a guy who was seasoned in the faith, has been through some trials and some tribulations, some ups and downs, just encouraging us that, hey, you're going to fall sometime, but get back up and keep your nose in the book. So we say, yes, sir, we're going to do that. <laughs> so, so the job for Solomon was going to be big. David tells him, be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. Even when that hard time comes, don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Continue to push on in the Lord. I coach my uh, St. Jade's basketball team, and there's been other sports I've coached too. And you see some of the parents and some of the, the coaches would not be very encouraging. They would be on them all the time, kind of a negative reinforcement on them, just, just, just downing them. But you would see these players would get in, and they would not play to their capability. Because there was no encouragement there. It was all negativity. But we got to encourage others. We need to be encouragers. Amen? All right, verse 14 says, Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure. For it is so abundant, I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen, stonecutters, and all the type of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> 
Now, you can't tell that David's excited about this, right? I, I mean, David is, he is excited and pumped up about building this temple. The sad thing is, he never sees it come to fruition. He doesn't get to see it with his physical eyes. And, and, and this is kind of, a, kind of a side note on what I'm going to be talking about here. We're going to build a legacy of faith which inquires investing in the future. And David was definitely investing in the future. Not only Israel, not only Solomon, but he was investing in the future for God and what would come from that temple, the good things that would come from that temple. And just think about it. There's things that we are investing in our lives that we will never see the fruit of because the Christ may call us up one day to go to glory. But that investment we made here on earth will be continuing on with our children with our brothers, with our sisters, with our loved ones, whoever it may be, our grandchildren, because we invested time in their lives. We invested Christ in their lives and set that example for them to go forward with. David may not have been able to see the temple, but he was definitely investing time to ensure that this was done for God. So not only did David put a plan together, he was educating Solomon And he was also giving encouragement in building this. But now we're going to see him starting to invest time and money. We hear about all this gold that he had, that it was so abundant. And remember when we read through 1 Kings of how everything was laced in gold, and this was solid gold, and that was silver, and it just kept, it was like gold coming out of our ears. There was so much. David really invested in this temple. He really supplied this temple with everything that was needed to make it glorious and magnificent, to, to, to magnify who God was. But even the temple itself can never magnify who God was. But David sure was going to try to make this temple magnify who God was, and he made great provision for it. So the question we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to invest in the future of others? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to hold all the knowledge and all the blessing that God has given us in? Are we going to let that out to the other people, our, our children and our grandchildren and our friends and our, 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 our co-workers? Are we going to give some of that blessing and investing that God has given us? Are we going to give that to them freely with no charge? We need to because the future... <laughs> We may not be in the future, but our children have to live here. Our grandchildren have to live here. And we want to make sure that they're prepared. So let's invest that time for them, in them. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What do you think about all day long? That's what your heart truly is. Is your heart on Christ? Is your heart on the investment of the future? For Christ, where is your heart? Or is your heart concentrating on the worries of this world and the stresses of our jobs and the stresses of everyday life, the hustle and bustle of life? Where is, where is our heart at? That's, that's what's ruling our life. That's, what, that's where our treasures are. Are we constantly thinking about Christ, of his goodness and his mercy is that what we're thinking about? That's what we should be thinking about. That's where the treasures in our heart should be. So if it's not, start thinking about that. Start praying on that. Lord, 
Help me to have you as the treasure in my heart. I don't want this worry anymore. I don't want this pain and this heartache anymore. I don't, I don't want to worry about anything. I want you to be that treasure in my heart. He said, what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Then all these things will be added. But what's the key to that? You've got to seek the kingdom of God first. We have to ask. If we don't ask, sometimes we don't receive because we're not asking. So ask the Lord to become the treasure in your heart. That, that, that Christ becomes your most prized possession in your life. And that's what we need to do. And that's what it's telling us in Matthew 6.21, that our hearts will be where our treasure lies. And let Christ be our treasure. And this is one that might hit some of us in the heart. Talking about where our hearts lie. How about sports? We'll get back to the sports again. How many, how many, how many parents put their kids through these travel ball teams? And I'm not knocking you if you ever did that. But that's all it is. It's sports all the time. Hey, Sunday can wait. We're going to play baseball, basketball, whatever. We're going to put, that's where their treasures lie. And a lot of times that, that hurts the faith of the child, that hurts the faith of the parents because their, their hearts are not where it needs to be. It's not focused on Christ, it's focused on the temporary because those sports are temporary. They don't last forever for the children. And the percentage of those who make it to professional sports is very slim. That doesn't mean you, go out, you don't go after your dreams, but always know where your heart should be and where your treasure lies. So we must be willing to make heavy investments into those we want to build up in faith. Be willing to make an investment on in them. In verses 17, says, David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you, and has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the whole article of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. If you want to build a legacy of faith, we may have to enlist the help of others to help us along in our journey. So when this all was said and done, David makes an appeal to the people to help Solomon. You've got to remember he was but a teenager whenever he took over the reins in Israel. He didn't have much knowledge on how to run a kingdom. So, God, so David ensured that he had good counsel around him, good godly counsel to lead him in the ways he needed to go to rule this kingdom, and also good counsel and planning to build this temple that was on David's heart so much. When we are trying to help build a legacy of faith, we need to enlist the help of others, and the church is a good place to start. We are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, which in reality is thicker than our blood, brothers and sisters. And we need to lean on each other, because there's going to be a time in a place in this world where all we're going to be able to trust is each other. You know, the Lord's going to rapture us, hopefully, before all that starts. But there's going to be a time we're going to have to lean on our brothers and our sisters in Christ. 
and have them to have our backs and to walk with them. And the church is a good place. I know a couple of us have a little group text that we get together and kind of pray for each other. Maybe phone calls to each other. Hey, how you doing? You doing okay? Just checking up on each other and just, and just, and just walking in life with each other. David tells him to set his heart on God and seek him. That's the best advice that David could have told Solomon is to seek God. Everything we do, we need to seek God. Seek the counsel from other godly men and women who can help us out. And continue to seek God, to seek his face daily. David wanted to build a legacy of faith to God and place uh, a place where people for many generations could come and worship. He wanted to build this temple to where the nations would know who God was. That's what this temple was going to be. And we've seen the people in First and Second Kings that came to see the temple. And they were in awe and wonder of it. We're hoping that it turned to awe and wonder of God. Not just the, the building that was built. Not just the building that was shiny and beautiful. But that it brought them closer to God. Are you looking to build a legacy of faith? Are you working towards trying to help build the faith of others? So that faith in Jesus can be passed to the next generation. That's what we need to do. Keep passing our faith on to the next generation. So they'll pass it on to the next generation. So on and so forth until Christ returns. Go out and make disciples of all men. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. To build that legacy of faith. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask, uh, Lord, that you would help us each walk the walk we have, Lord, with you, Father, and that we would each build our own legacy of faith, Father God, that we may be able to pass that on to the next man and to the next woman, to the next child and the next generation, Father, that you would be glorified through it. Just like David was passing on this job to Solomon, Lord, may we pass on our faith in the job of discipling and making disciples on to the next generation, Lord. Help us in that task, and we just ask for your blessing in it. We ask for your blessing for those here tonight. We ask for your traveling mercies as well. In Jesus' name, amen.